Welcome to the 6th Annual Turkey Awards. Brought to you by the Untitled Gaming Podcast. We are live at the 6th Annual The Untitled Gaming Podcast Awards, or as they are known on the streets, the Tuggies. We had the red carpet earlier. You know, a lot of a lot of big names in the gaming industry. Keanu was here. Keanu, I was just gonna say the Rock. We are, we are live from the Four Seasons Sushi Restaurant. Mm-hmm. But as the gaming podcast, we uh, we got to get down to business because this is I said it before. It's the sixth annual Tuggy Awards of the Untitled Gaming Podcast. My name is Pat. Today we're joined by Rick. Rick. Zach. Hello. And Chance. Hello, what I do? If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We're a gaming podcast that aims to entertain as well as inform. So sit back, relax, and get ready to level up your gaming knowledge as we talk about the week's biggest gaming news, reviews, impressions, and the gaming industry in general. Of course, we don't only talk about video games. Today we'll be talking about video games, movies, and TV shows as we discuss our 6th Annual Tuggy Awards for the best games, movies, and TV shows of 2023. So, without further ado, let's start with our category of movies. Best visual effects in a movie. Take it away, Chance. All right. So, for movies, best visual effects. um, The most well-constructed and well-used visual effects in a film. Um, The nominees are TMNT, Mutant Mayhem. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, um, Oppenheimer, and Evil Dead Rise. Um, opening so up the, opens, right the, the award here, I'm just going to say, I think Oppenheimer deserves this because it had practical effects for every shot and they were fucking phenomenal. Anybody has anything else to comment? No, it's like your opinion, man. I know it is. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, the movie with the best visual effects goes to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. All right, good, good movie. It's the animation stuff. Into the Spider-Verse did it already, you know. Yeah. Yep. Not as practical. <laughs> It's like giving the game of the year to Tears of the Kingdom this year. That's a great odyssey. <laughs> yeah. How dare you, right? We were I, talking I, about I will this never earlier. forget. I'm never forget. <laughs> I'm not asking you to forget. I'm asking you to forgive. <laughs> no forgiveness, I <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to best musical score for a movie. All righty. So for best musical score in a film, it is given to the film that had the best musical score that best conveys the tone of a film and the nominees are Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer apologies if I butcher names here Daniel yep. Pemberton for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse John Williams for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny John Murphy 
for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for TMNT Mutant Mayhem. And the winner for Best Musical Score in Film, I butcher this envelope. I still have yet to see like half of these movies. No, is, that's not true. I have yet to see one. I was about to say, a lot of these movies we would have seen. And the winner for Best Musical Score in Film is Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer. Yeah. Well-deserved. I believe that's the second one for Luke, Ludwig Göransson. I think he's got quite a few. I think he got a few a couple years ago because he did... Yeah. Um, I think one of the TV shows. Did that you Tenet? He done Tenet. He did. Because um, I know he did a few things for Community, I believe. And then um, he's. I'm pretty sure he did Tenet and he won for Tenet. But anyway. Uh, All right. Next up is well, best performance. Uh, best performance is the most impactful, compelling, and best executed performance by an actor or actress in a film. And the nominees are Jack Black as Bowser in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Just for Stillian that Peaches Murphy. music video. <laughs> <laughs> Cillian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer in Bar- uh, Oppenheimer. Um, Alyssa Sutherland as Ellie in Evil Dead Rise. Bradley Cooper as Rocket in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And Chris Pine as Edgen Darvis in Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And so the we'll open the envelope. I don't know if you guys saw the Golden Globes, but there's a big thing between Cillian Murphy and... Uh, or Killian Murphy, I should say. And uh, Bradley Cooper. But Bradley Cooper was nominated for the Oscar bait movie that he directed and was in uh, Ma- Maestro, right? Yeah. And uh, he had like a, a random shot during an interview at Killian Murphy because he's like, Killian Murphy has said that he got the call for Oppenheimer like six months before the movie started filming. And he's like, in six months, I was on the set and all of this stuff. And in an interview, Bradley Cooper's like, yeah, you can't do what we do. It takes years. You can't just get a call. And then in, in six months, you're on the set of whatever. So people were going crazy that like, why are you why are you throwing shots at Killian Murphy? And in the Golden Globes, obviously Killian Murphy won for Oppenheimer, but they had those like zoom ins on the other people. And Bradley Cooper's face is just like, God fucking damn it. Like he's smiling, but you could tell on the inside right. he's dying. It's it's just hilarious that both of them are nominated for a Tuggy as well. The more prestigious award, I would say. Uh but Bradley Cooper's nominated for Rocket. Not for his Oscar Bay movie. <laughs> well, honestly, it was a very moving performance. Um, Rocket and Guardians Rocket, 3. That was, even yeah. though he was kind of out half the movie. He was, but his kid background. Or the, yeah, the, the yeah. flashback sequences where they made his voice a little higher was pretty good. All right, I'm opening up the envelope now. And the winner is... Up, oh, Gillian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer in Oppenheimer. Well deserved. That man became Oppenheimer within six months, apparently. So, uh, God, such a great performance. That final scene with Gillian Murphy's performance and the music. Rick, have you seen it yet? 
No, it comes on oh Peacock. You have to go see it. Oh my you god, you have to see it. Yes, I have it in 4K. Come over one of these days. I'll leave the child with your mother. There you go. <laughs> Best director in a movie. Uh, this award would go to the out. Outstanding Creative Vision and Innovation in a Film from a Director. And the nominees are Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, uh, Joaquim Dos Santos, Kem Powers, and Justin K. Thompson for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Danny and Michael Bilopi. I don't know how you say that. There's no I. Bilopu. For talk to me, how do you, how do you say it? J- James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and Jeff Rowe for TMNT Mutant Mayhem, and the Tuggy goes to Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. This is Oppenheimer's just sweeping. Yeah, uh, it's, it's almost as if it's the only movie some people have seen this year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah this is i believe the second tuggy for nolan because he won for tenant i don't believe has has there been any other nolan directed film that came out while we were doing tuggies unless there was a Batman movie but i don't think, I think it dunkirk was 2017 yeah dunkirk was 2017 yeah. so we didn't have a tuggies then yeah okay dunkirk so, won <laughs> Uh, what else came out that year? I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, Ludwig Gorgensen also won for The Mandalorian. That, that makes and sense. And Black Panther. Oh, yeah. There you go. But yeah, so great job, Christopher Nolan. And now we come to the movie of the year. Which, Zach? All right, everyone. The final category for film is movie of the year which is the best all-around package in terms of narrative, visuals, and production in a film. And the nominees are Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Oppenheimer, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and TMNT, Mutant Mayhem. Before he opens the envelope here, I will just say, it is a, a crime that Dungeons and Dragons came out the time it did, because if it had come out after Baldur's Gate was just kind of sweeping the the narrative in like all social media, uh, it would have done so much better in terms of like box office and like word of mouth. It is a great movie. I was so surprised it Dungeons and Dragons was as good as it was. And Chris Pine, great job. Honestly, the whole cast, great job. But Chris oh, and Bradley Cooper him. also just showing yes, up in a small yes. role. Very small a role. Very small role. That's it. Go ahead, Zach. And the winner for movie of the year is Tiny Tiny Role. Oppenheimer. Yes. <laughs> great. Well deserved film. And honestly, like I think this was the only film I went to go see in theaters. Uh, some of these other ones I did see at home when they came to streaming services. Um, I think Chance, you'd probably saw... Oh, no, I, I did see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Chance, you saw TMNT. Do you think it's worthy so to be I, in this category? I went with Chance to see, to see TMNT. 
Was it? Did it live up to the hype? I still have yet to see it. It was actually pretty good. I thought. Yeah, so. I mean, it yeah, was. It was really good. They already have another movie in the works and a TV show. So, um, it's like a different take on TMNT, and um, it has the same animation style as Spider Verse, or slightly different. Uh. Yes and no. Well, I mean, a it's a different different. kind of style. Like, it's more unfinished is the style compared mm-hmm. to, like, Spider-Verse. Um, like black and white, or? No, no, no like, you can see the lines like and stuff. Like, it's, like, you will, you should watch it, and you'll, you'll know, or, or I, see I any will. of the trailers or anything. I would have, but this year was just but, um, crazy for games. But, yeah, I don't know. It's different style. It's it it really good. It's a pretty good movie. All right, we, before we move on to our TV awards, there are some comments that uh, people who voted did leave. Uh, the first comment here is just no. So the question was asking, is there anything we left out? Do you have anything to add? And the person chose to comment and say no. <laughs> uh, another comment here, we have Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of, Fall was, Anatomy of a Fall was great. Uh, I've heard good things about this, but I've not actually seen the movie. This is the, was it based off like a true crime something? I don't, maybe, I know it's, it's a French movie about a crime. Um, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but we just haven't gone out and seen a lot of movies this year. This yeah. is quite literally the first time I'm hearing of it. Well, so. whoever put this comment, I'm put so your sorry. names on comments, people. That would be that would be helpful. I think it says in there to put your name in there, but I guess people don't read. And this last comment here, uh, <laughs> names on there. <laughs> I'm on a French film. It's got to be subtitled. Uh, Barbie should have been nominated. Anti-feminist <laughs> with explanation oh, points. Well, I will tell you this: it's not anti-feminist. We just, I, I personally have not seen Barbie. I saw the night. I haven't that, either. The night. Uh, nominations were due. We started Barbie, but Casey fell asleep, or Casey was falling asleep, so we stopped it. So I had only seen like 20 minutes of Barbie, so I could not nominate it. I wanted to do... Have I finished a, Barbie yet? No. I wanted to do Barbenheimer, and nobody okay. wanted to. I yeah. mean, I would have been down for Barbenheimer, but yeah, everyone else that we went with... to do Barbenheimer, but nobody else wanted to. So yeah, I, wanted I mean, to like, I've heard... Somebody did. Really good things about Barbie, but like truthfully, you were tired. Barbie is like we're not like in the demographic of Barbie. Not that we you know we can't see it, but oh, the I truth feel like it's kind of understandable that why we haven't seen it. But it, well, I have heard what? good things about it, and it definitely is one of the better movies of this year. It's just I don't think and none of us really saw it. So I didn't. Well, Rick saw it, but Rick didn't yeah, nominate it. it. Did you? I didn't nominate any movies because I didn't see like. We didn't see Killers of the Flower Moon. That's not nominated for anything. I have Maestro. Seen, yeah. That one. Iron Claw. Um, I want to see Iron Claw. Iron Claw. There's that one. What the Paul Giamatti movie? I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff that we just didn't get to see. Holdovers. Sorry, everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. The holdovers. I want. I want to watch that. It's streaming on something. And the reason uh, we, for I, this. The reason for I this. To nominate is, Asteroid City. Asteroid City was great. I didn't even see it. Yeah. The the reason I did not see any movies is because there's just too many fucking games. And TV shows didn't slow down either in 2023. So, like, it was a good year in terms of everything. We just, something has to fall by the wayside. That being said, we don't need to apologize for that. We're a video game podcast. <laughs> we don't I mean, need to I, apologize. As a self-proclaimed cinephile, I, I do feel like I needed to. No, I've never I also movies, feel so. like I should apologize. I'm not apologizing. I've never I mean, this. 
I'm going to place the blame solely on Casey, who oftentimes will fall asleep when I'm trying to watch. I want to place the blame on Zach because he refuses to apologize. I'm not apologizing for I didn't claim to be a cinephile, so I'm not apologizing. Pat is going to be royally in the doghouse. You must have credit for something because you slandered her like four times. I'm not. I'm just telling her the truth. The truth hurts sometimes. You must have credit of some kind. She must have messed up something in the last 48 hours. But anyway, yeah. So movies are great. We'll, We'll try to do better for the 2024 movies, but there's just too many games. We have to because it's the Kobe year. 24 will do better because that's Mamba. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's Mamba for us to be better. That is Mamba. That is our oath to you. And we have to. And and you know what? I like this. I like this. This this uh, offense you've given Gates. This is those actors he's been in the chat in a while. So that's <laughs> Mamba right there. <laughs> Moving on to TV's most underrated TV show. All right. So. Um... Most underrated TV show, uh, the best all-around package in terms of narrative, visuals, and production in a TV show that does not um, get its due recognition. That sentence is weird. Um, Let me see. All right. So uh, the nominees are uh, Yellow Jackets. Um, the Righteous Gemstones, um, The Owl House, uh, Disenchantment, and Chucky. And the most, uh, the award for the most underrated TV show goes to building up the anticipation. Over Disenchantment is <laughs> killing me. <laughs> Disenchantment, yes. Yeah. I, final season of this show did release on Netflix in 2023. I did see it, and I will say, jump the shark just a little bit. Not not terrible, not a bad ending, but you can tell they were like kind of forced to end it when they did. So, Anyone all right, else next see up. It? Oh no! Well, that's the watch. It seems very underrated. All right. And it's on Netflix, correct? It is. All right. Next up is best visual effects. Or best visual effects. The most well-constructed and well-used visual effects in a TV show. And your nominees are Ashoka, Castlevania Nocturne, The Last of Us, Fall of the House of Usher, and Gen V. And... The winner is really milking it over here. Oh yeah, milk. You gotta milk it. You gotta milk it. It is The Last of Us season one, which is based off of a video game. Nice. Uh, is there an asterisk on that? Nope. Okay. Anytime you see an asterisk, yeah, that means there's an asterisk. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that that means it was a tiebreaker. So like it went to the audience voting. Just heads up. I oh, probably wow. should have said at the beginning. Who was it tied uh, with? Ashoka? Uh I believe Gen V. Oh wow. Just so Gen V visual knows. effects were great. All the votes matter, clearly. 
especially our audience. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really neat, like watching the after the episode kind of little docu series on how it was made that HBO does with The Last of Us. It really kind of gave you a lot, a lot of insight. Yeah, um, in terms of production values, like The Last of Us was well up there. I think so. Glad that a, a video game adaptation is getting that. Yeah, it's fitting for a video game podcast. Yes. All right. Next up is best musical score, a musical score that conveys the tone that best conveys the tone of a TV show. So we have Trevor Morris for Castlevania Nocturne, Nicholas Bertel for Succession, Gustavo Santanella, and David Fleming for The Last of Us, Natalie Holt for Loki, and Jeff Russo, not related to the Russo brothers, for Fargo. Russo cousin. Cousin, okay. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say nepotism. (laughs) All right. And the award, the tuggy goes to Nicholas Bertel for succession. And this is another tiebreaker that the audience vote determined. Uh, I believe it was between The Last of Us and Succession. Or maybe Fargo and Succession. I don't remember. Because Fargo's amazing. Their sound yeah. department, or their, their musical score department, music department's always on point. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think Loki has the best theme song. This is, if I, if I were to give a personal award, it would be to Loki for the, the theme song uh, this year. And Gustavo Santanella, just a fun fact, is also the composer for last of us, the game. So they brought him back for oh, the wow. TV show. So very cool. Yeah. All right. Next up is best performance TV. And that is the most impactful, compelling and best executed performance by an actor or actress on a TV show. And your nominees are Nick Offerman as bill in the last of us. Jeremy strong as Kendall Roy in secession. Carla, I always get Gugino. this wrong. Gugino? Yep. Yeah. As Verna in The Fall of the House of Usher. Jeremy Allen White as Carmi in The Bear. And Kieran Culkin as Romulus Roy in Secession. And the winner is... Oh, this isn't even asterisk. We agree with the uh, Golden Globes and say Kieran Culkin as Romulus. Yeah. It. Yep. Great. It's, it's insane that uh, Pedro Pascal was not nominated. It's almost as if well, some people didn't abstain from even nominating TV nominating. shows. Nominating. Nominee. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's just talk about that performance for a little bit. Um, honestly, that was by far the most impactful uh, acting that I've seen. And I don't say from that show, but that was. That hit like a ton of bricks. You're talking about Kieran Culkin or are you talking about yeah, the winner? Pedro Pascal. OK. Yeah, the winner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's such a such a an amazing show and an amazing end to an amazing show, a fitting end to an amazing show. And yeah, just his performance in that last episode, but even throughout this entire season, just that roller coaster that we see him go on as you are cheering and he's he's has highs, he has lows, you laugh, you cry, you you chuckle, you you sneeze a little bit, maybe if it's you know, kind of cold outside. But anyway, great performance. 
All right. Best single episode. Moving on to, yes, the best single episode of television. This is the best all-around single episode of a television show or program in terms of narrative, visuals, and production. And the nominees are Long, Long Time, The Last of Us, Season 1, Episode 3, The Raven, from Fall of the House of Usher, Episode 8, Fishes, from The Bear, Season 2, Episode 6, With Open Eyes, from Succession, Season 4, Episode 10, and Tragedy of the Commons, from Fargo, Season 5, Episode 1. And the winner for best single episode of television is Upper Underwood. Long, long time. The Last of Us, season one, episode three. All right. There should be an asterisk on that one, I believe. There is not an asterisk. Okay. Well, there should be because I believe there was a tie between. Fishes, fishes, and uh, with eyes open succession. With this being the audience voted a hundred percent as the the winner, like not a hundred percent voted, but like they had the majority, so we gave it to long, long time, which is saying a lot because that is the adaptation part of this adaptation in the in the Last of Us game. That story with Bill and Frank is completely Mm -hmm. different. Yeah, and they, oh, yeah, they took liberties, it and it paid off huge, and great choice in actors there with Nick Offerman, and I don't remember the name of the other guy, uh, but yeah, just a, a great episode, and this it's is exactly what like... more adaptations need to mm-hmm. do: use the source material, but interpret it your own way, and and change it to the medium that you are showing on. Well, just such a departure from what like the general tone of The Last of Us has always been. So mm. it was just kind of like, it was very refreshing, really nice. And in that, it's like, oh, it's like there's this super bleak world, which is upfront about being bleak. And it's always going to kind of like kick you when you're down and continue to kick you while you stay down. And it was just nice to kind of see like a way different take on even that small story of the game. It was just, yeah. I thought it was really well done. I mean, that's like the episode that, like, when you think, for me anyway, when you think of The Last of Us show, that's like the episode that I think about first. I think of that episode and also I think the end of, might have been episode six with the, uh, with the Sam and, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that, that, that was like, oh, damn, shit got real. Like, there's, yeah. there's a lot of human drama in this show, but you have to remember that there's also, the monsters <laughs> yes right. yeah but yeah great show great episode great great category here great nominees so. um before we get to the final of television i'm just going to interject with the like our tuggy our personal tuggy what is your most anticipated show of 2024 arcane season two house of the dragon season Zach? Two. Um. Isn't Avatar supposed to come out in 2024? Yeah, I think so. A live action on Netflix. I'm, yeah. Well, how, how about this? Best new TV I'm like show. Cautious, then. I'm like cautious about it. Ooh, Best new. Mm. One that is not returning for a season. Because Zach could still say Avatar. 
because that's yeah. a new TV show. Yeah, so I don't there's a new one, so I'd probably I'd stick with that. Yeah. Uh, that brand or brand new show, Detective is no a different idea. story. I want to say I've True not, Detective. I've not played any of the games, so I would be like to have like a different answer from the one I had just said. Um, the Fallout show, I'm interested to see. Oh yeah, Fallout. Fallout show looks interesting. Um, there is a book series being uh, adapted to a TV show by Netflix called Three Body Problem. Definitely watch that show because th- that book series is great, especially the second book, The Dark Forest. Highly recommend it. Uh, excited for that show. It, I think it's streaming February or March or something. It's it's relatively soon. So, and then before we go to best season, are you done? Get with that personal award, Rick. Okay, yep. moving on to a personal award of my own. I'm going to give out the award for best cold open for a TV show. And that has to go for Last of Us, both as a cold open to the series where we have that flashback from the 60s with them just introducing uh, the fungus and like what it can do and kind of giving you the foreshadowing of what will happen. And it just ends on that dark note of uh, the guy being interviewed, the scientist on the TV show, kind of uh, talking about how serious of a threat this could be if it ever mutated to affect humans which we obviously know is what the, the show is about. But then they also followed that up with episode two with a cold open in Jakarta with the, the I forget what her profession was, but she was like the, the food scientist or the food surveyor or whatever, talking about what's going to happen. What was it? She was the mycologist um, talking about what is going to happen now that this has occurred and she's just like, there's nothing you can do. Just bomb, bomb us. And then we're going to go home and spend time with our families because that's, that's all you can do. And that's just that those two small actors only there for those two small roles, just absolutely fucking killed those cold mm-hmm. opens. So what pops off the last of us. What's really nice about the, I love both of them. I pref- I love uh, the first one the most but like what's really nice about the episode two cold open is the just like the common sense like intelligence of someone in a very like high ranking position that's like yeah we're fucked and there's nothing we can do instead of just like casually ignoring like a very obvious thing that is going to go wrong that like you typically see in stuff like this where there's like no reason for you to not take this seriously or whatever and then it spirals out of control or something but here you see somebody who's like highly intelligent who's like, yeah, there's we are nothing. You can't do anything. Like mm-hmm. it's over. We've lost. And you have to accept it. Instead of just like ignoring it and like be like, oh, this this isn't gonna be something we have to worry about or something. Yeah. And like, especially for a new viewer, both of those cold opens together. Um, because didn't they release was it was both episodes released on the same day or was it a week apart? Uh, it was a week a week. So a like week you're apart, talking yeah, like yeah really hammering home what the tone of this is going to be what the, what the tone of the show is and right. how serious of a threat this is to a new viewer. Like they, right. they completely nailed that. And again, both things were adaptations. None of those were in the game. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Best season. Um, best season of television. All right. Best season of television. Uh, the best all-around package in terms of narrative, visual, and production in a season of television. Um, The nominees are uh, Succession, Season 4, 
The Last of Us, season one. Uh, Fall of the House of Usher, uh, season one. <laughs> uh, the Bear, season two. Uh, and Invincible, season two. And um, the award for best season of television goes to The Last of Us, season one. Uh, there's also an asterisk, so tiebreaker there. Yeah, I believe the, the tie was between Last of Us and Succession. That makes sense. Yeah. I honestly think Succession was the better season of television. Zach agrees. <laughs> I've not seen Succession. I was just they're both good in their, in their own right. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, Invincible was like a half season, so I don't know if we can really count that. Yeah, somebody nominated it, so... Bear season two was honestly head over here's heels better than season one and had a lot oh, of like yeah. outstanding performances and guest stars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cooking up. <laughs> See what you did there. Uh, moving on to comments for a season of television. And this is again, comments left by people who have voted. Uh, this first one just says, leave me alone. Whoever this is does not understand. You do not have to fill out any of these questions. They are all <laughs> optional. And if, you had to click on the link to get here. So leave us alone. <laughs> God. Um, well, I think he, this is the same person who commented no on the question <laughs> previously. Uh, they are not understanding that you don't have to leave a comment if you don't want to. But uh, first comment here, or first actual comment, I guess, from Zabe. Uh, didn't House of the Dragon come out in 2023? I believe that was 2022. Unless I'm completely mistaken. I, th- I think that was. Nope, that came out yeah, this year. You guys failed. came out last year. No. That was 2023? First episode air what? August 21st, 2022. Yeah. That was 2022. And, and, and then it finished. Yeah, because it was definitely in the running uh yeah, the I remember, like, was, we were, was for yeah. performance and everything so yeah so there you go zabe face and uh <laughs> <laughs> oh god um also on here from matt we have uh all the light we cannot see blue eye samurai and barry are you listing the shows we should have nominated uh, I out of those I saw Barry and I do not think Barry was worthy of a tuggy in any category. I'm at planning on watching season. Barry the next couple weeks, so I say skip the last season. It's not even worth it. Talk about jumping the shark. Uh, Does he jump? But a shark? anyway, there's there's a literal shark jump in it because it That's has sweet. It has the fonts. All right, moving on to video games. So let's start with best sound design. All right, that's me again. Um, back to back. Best sound design for video games. Most immersive sound effects in a video game. Uh, the nominees are Armored Core, uh, Fires of Rubicon, um, Alan Wake 2, um, Hi-Fi Rush, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Dead Space Remake. Um, the winner for Best Sound Design 
in a video game goes to Alan Wake 2. There's also an asterisk there as well. Yeah, I believe this was a tie. Okay. <laughs> Let's not do that again. Uh, this was a, a tie between Alan Wake and Dead Space Remake. Dead Space Remake, I think, the sound in that, especially if you're playing with headphones, just phenomenal. It creates a great sense of presence for a non-VR game that I've ever played because like honestly even if like you know that you're probably pretty safe it, there's still that uneasy feeling you get just from the environment. Yeah, just from like a door like malfunctioning and closing and and you can kind of hear exactly where it's coming from and as a, as you get closer it starts getting louder and then the the thing is bouncing and then if something's in between you and the door it sounds different than if there's no one there, so I think they did a really good job there, but Alan Wake got the votes. Well, one of the reasons why I personally voted for Alan Wake was because there was one scene in, I believe, the um, elderly people home, um, the retirement village or whatever, mm -hmm. where I was on the first floor, and like I heard a clatter on the third floor, and I knew exactly where it was coming from, and it was fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. That's when I knew. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. That I also... Mean, the, the, hats off the, to sound design for all of these games but yeah alan wake has yeah. a great sound as a hi-fi rush great sound design mm -hmm. well. oh, hi-fi rush oh man yeah, yeah this was a rough year star wars jedi survivor those lightsaber sounds it sounds different based on your actual fucking stance like the mm -hmm. the cross guard lightsaber sounds heavier i don't know how they did it it sounds heavier <laughs> It's like a deeper sound. It's not yeah. as like high pitched. Like the it's, it's almost like frequency. It's like not yeah. as fast. It's just like slower sounding. It's just like oh, so good. Great game. Like all the games here did a phenomenal job with their sound. So yeah. All right. Next up, best Moving level design. To best level design, which is the most well constructed world that complements the gameplay systems in a video game. And your nominees are Cocoon, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Bowder's Gate 3, Star Wars Jedi, Survivor, uh, Super Mario Wonder. And the winner is Cocoon with an asterisk. Yeah. So... Yeah, in terms of level design, Cocoon, I think, just wiped the floor with the competition because that game is so succinct and so, like, you could beat it in, like, three hours, four hours, but, like, the way the levels tie together, it becomes a, a piece of a puzzle that you are doing that fits in with a larger puzzle. And then 10 minutes later, that larger piece that you were doing is a piece of an even larger puzzle. And it just keeps building off of it. And there were so many moments where I figured out how to get past the puzzle, but it made me feel like such a fucking clever person for doing it. And I think me and Zach have talked about this where there's one thing where you're like, I put the world inside of itself. And yeah. for a second, I'm like, I think I broke the game. Because I, mm -hmm. I don't think I was supposed to do But that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And it makes you feel smart. Which, I mean, the rest of these games, yeah, good level design, you know. Tears of the Kingdom, you did a lot of different puzzle shrines or whatever. Uh, Baldur's Gate, you have a lot of systems working together in terms of the level design. But it does feel clunky to a, like a, a little bit, at least in my opinion. 
Uh, it feels a little bit clunky, but I feel like Cocoon, there is just no fat on that system at all in terms of level design. So that's I want to drop a big turd on this one because I, <laughs> in my personal opinion, uh, Super Mario, like Wonder, that level design was, I don't say immaculate, but what it did with the levels is something I, like, I never expected and it blew me away. I will say I have not beaten it. Like, there are some moments where, like, it'll literally turn the level upside down on you. And it's just, it's so good. So, right. um, and I agree with that, but like, that is something that, like, I've seen other games do. So I was just like, when I was sitting there, I was like looking at like Cocoon, like, you don't really get to see many games where it's like this kind of like, I have to take like multiple universes and like bounce around them. And, and then it does all with one button. button. You put one the ball button in a press. hole. One button press for an entire boss fight. Not just yeah. one boss fight, for four distinct boss fights. And when you're dealing with puzzle mechanics too. Like, you have to have level design that is like perfect to pull that off and not have that be annoying to the player and to be able to communicate that to the player on how to play the game. And they've, because there's they no that flawless work in the yeah. entire game. Like, yeah, I just thought it was uh, that for me, it was when I had all like four or five of the worlds you could inhabit all being carried within each other at one time. I was like, that's it. Like that's the and, thing. When you factor in, they did that on an indie budget versus the power and the 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 money that Nintendo can throw behind a title. I, I feel like you have to give props to Cocoon in that category. I give it props, but um, what's the asterisk? We know who came in second. No, the asterisk is there was a tie, <laughs> and the winner chose was the winner by, the chosen by the audience. Okay, I do know what the tie was between. Cocoon and Super Mario Wonder. Okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved for a second to have been like Hi Fi Rush or something. <laughs> <laughs> or like Bowder's Gate. And I would have been like, ah, oh, shit. Um, all right. Moving on to Cocoon. best co op and multiplayer. All right. Best co op multiplayer experience. Uh, most well-designed and fun gameplay experience that accounts for multiple players, either competitive or co-op cooperative in a video game. Um, nominees. The nominees are Boulder's Gate 3, uh, Disney Speedstorm, Party Animals, uh, Diablo 5. No, Four. that's Diablo 4. <laughs> uh, and Marvel Snap. Um, and the award for best co-op multiplayer experience goes to Baldur's Gate 3. With an asterisk? Yes, there is. Yeah. I believe there's a tie between Baldur's Gate 3 and Marvel Snap. Or was it Party Animals? What, what did you pick, Rick? Oh, I picked Party Animals. Okay, so we had so much fun playing that game. It was Party Edibles and Marvel Snap, and the winner was chosen by the community, which was Baldwin Gate 3. So. <laughs> I will personally say that the first time you play Baldur's Gate, do not, whatever you do, do not play it with a group of friends because you will drive each other crazy. 
That's and I, why it's so good. I feel like the game does not work well for your first time being a multiplayer experience. So. That's the whole point. It's meant to be carnage. All right. I'm going to interrupt if we're done if we're done talking about multiplayer. Mm-hmm. We are. All right. I'm going to interrupt with another personal tuggy. All right. What was your like your favorite experience with our Tuesday streams of 2023? And why is it Zach getting nope. scared at Alan Wake? <laughs> that, was, that was a great day yeah. not up there with my that was cool because i had a lot of uh my osu soccer players watching it which was really cool they were actually all hanging out at a house together and they like texted me a couple pictures and they threw they threw our stream up on the tv so it was like 15 of them in this room they're just like watching me shit myself and, and it's funny that like zach spent five tries trying to beat nightingale and then he's like i can't do it hands me the controller and i do it in the first try I was like, oh, I was struggling. No, my favorite was when, and it's not like a, it's not even something that was like, I was happy about at the time. It's when we were playing Party Animal, and I was just getting pissed at Pat for just like not pulling his fucking weight in any of the games we were doing. First of all, I'm holding off two people, so if the other... You are doing shit! What are you talking about? If the other two people are giving the three of you trouble, then... Out of time, Pat either knock me out, or knock Rick out, or knock himself out. I was just fuming. Like, the whole time. I've not been, like, that angry with Pat. I think ever (laughs) playing a video game. That was, like, up there with, like, when you uh, were... um, We'll just say incapacitated while we were playing Siege. <laughs> and you were just like running off the map to the edge. I was trying to, to my benefit. I was trying to get to the map. He was on the edge of the map trying to run to the boundary beyond because he saw a plane in the background. I was trying to get to the plane because the map was to. plain. I just it was the wrong plane. And that was and that so like years have passed as I've been like that furious with Pat in a video game. I was so angry. So that was probably my favorite because I thought it was like our funniest moment as well from our Tuesday street. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, um, like I know we got into Disney Speedstorm for a little bit. Like I know uh, we stream Zach. What? Did we stream? He's asking a favorite moment for from our Tuesday streams. I thought we did stream Speedstorm one time. I can't no, I don't think we did. I don't remember. I can't remember if we did or not. Yeah, but it has to be the ones game ones that we streamed. Yeah, that was his category. <laughs> That's his personal award. So he's asking us. Yes, Boulder's Gate. We haven't really streamed any other multiplayer games, so that's the only one we could choose from, at least for me. I mean, you you and Zach did Diablo, and there's something about the butcher. Uh, yeah, we, we did, did that uh, for like Texas an hour. Chainsaw. Yeah, that was... oh yeah, the butcher scared the <laughs> crap out of me. Texas was great. Oh my god, he's coming! Oh god, oh god! <laughs> uh, we'll, yeah, have, I, we'll have way more streams in 2024. Because that's yeah. Mamba. I mean, we're still finishing our playthrough of Baldur's Gate, so we'll stay tuned for that. I, I would say probably Party Animals for me as well. Uh, one of my awards, though, is biggest disappointment in terms of a multiplayer game. And I will say Moving Out too. I was expecting to recapture yeah. the fun of the first one, and it just didn't happen for some reason. I don't know if it was too similar or if it was 
not similar enough. I, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but that first game was like lightning in a bottle in terms of how much we enjoyed that. I was literally rolling on the floor laughing. I almost threw up from how much I was laughing playing that game. And it just, the, the sequel just kind of fell flat. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I think it was just the novel idea of it when we played the first one. It was something so new for us. It was obviously new for us, like something different. And we kind of like hyped up like the the feeling from that first time into the second one. And it just didn't, didn't live up, unfortunately. No. Party Animals though, came close, I think. Party Animals was great. I just feel like moving out was a lot of fun. Moving out was so much more like I don't know. It had such I think it hit so much better for us because it was like, oh, like we have to be cooperative in this like the whole way through. And yet we were still like figuring out ways to sabotage each other and shit like that. Yeah. All right, moving on to most underrated game. And this is best all around package in terms of story, gameplay, and fun factor for a game that did not get its due recognition in terms of popularity. And the nominees are Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, Dead Space Remake, Octopath Traveler 2, Dredge, and Hi Fi Rush. And yeah, Hi-Fi Rush, I feel like did get a lot of recognition from this podcast specifically, but I think in the mainstream, I don't think it's really, I don't think it got its due. And the winner is Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals with a little asterisk. Uh, I believe it was between Oxenfree 2 and Dredge. Uh, I will say Oxenfree kind of fell flat because it was released as a Netflix game. And I think Netflix just did not put the budget behind marketing that they really needed to. Uh, Just because it's coming to Netflix doesn't mean it can't also come to Game Pass or PlayStation Plus. And I think if they had done a little bit more to secure one of those deals and kind of put this game in more people's hands. And I know they did that with their whole, you know, Netflix audience, but how many of us in this podcast played it via Netflix? I know I did, but I was already a, a fan of Oxenfree. I played the first one. I enjoyed the crap out of the first one. I'm a huge fan of Night School as a studio and what they do. But you can't really do that for a, a sequel to an indie game that was already kind of a niche product to begin with. So I blame Netflix for that. I, I totally think the game, in terms of writing, deserves much more recognition. And I I, I think both of... like. I know Zach and Rick will like it. I'm not sure about chance, but I think both of you guys should at least attempt to play it. You can play it on your phone, get it for free from Netflix and just play it. And it works on most phones. So Rick, you want to give your thoughts on dredge? Uh, dredge. Like as I said, we talked about it this past podcast, um, but yeah, indie game. I heard about it earlier in the year. Um, and I had it on my wish list, and then I finally got an Xbox gift card. I saw it was on sale. Boom. And it's definitely a... Uh, it's a really fun indie game. Uh, lots of really neat lore. Lots of really fun exploration. Um, and it's pretty terrifying, too, which you don't really get out of a fishing game too often. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, I did go back, and eventually I uh, uh, got the I got the good ending, which you know I think I had to talk to one extra person, and then I was like, okay, cool, do this instead. And it's like, all right, cool. Um, yeah, the story was great for how like yeah low budget India was. It was by far it was really really impressive. So that's my thoughts on Dredge. In my opinion, Hi-Fi Rush should have gotten this award. You didn't even vote for it. <laughs> oh, God. Hindsight. That's like Zach <laughs> taking your side about the 2018 Tuggy winner I'm being not Assassin's Creed. Side. Being Assassin's Creed when you're like, it should have been God of War. You didn't vote for God that. of War. And say that. Yes, you did. You 100% did. All I Go said back and listen to the Tuggies. Go back and listen to the 2018 Tuggies. I was surprised that Assassin's Creed. No, it wasn't between God of War. I thought I thought it was Red Dead Redemption 2 he wanted Red to be. Red Dead Redemption 2 is what uh, Rick thought should have won, but the actual ah. game award went to God of War, and you're like, I can't believe it wasn't God of War. That's the first thing out of your mouth in the 2018 Duggies when it was announced. <laughs> to win? That doesn't mean I wanted it to win. That just means I was surprised. But then after that, after everything, you're like, oh yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't have been... I've not said those words ever. Bullshit. You're taking Rick's side that it should have been. It shouldn't have been. I'm just saying Rick agreed. Like, that's all I've said. You guys all want to play the victim, but nobody can take the the responsibility and make the hard, difficult choices that I do. All right? Heavy is the crowd. You're not making choices right now. (laughs) I'm making decisions on who should be the winner. He's basically just admitted on. He's admitted on stream that he's rigged vote. That I'm voting in everything that we are giving a vote <laughs> for? Yes! He's rigged <laughs> and you've heard it here. God damn. You didn't even vote. You and Chance didn't even vote. He's the crown of whatever the phrase is for the people who rig votes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best remaster or remake? All right. Best remaster remake. Best all-around package of gameplay, quality of life, and visual improvements in a previously released video game. Uh, the nominees are Dead Space Remake, uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Super Mario RPG, and Star Ocean The Second Story R. Could it be the third story? And the award for Best Remaster Remake um, goes to Resident Evil 4 Remake. Nice. Um, I will say... This was a tough year. Like it was a, a very close category in terms of remaster and remake. Past years, it's been a very obvious. Clearly, it's going to be this one. Uh, in this case, I think Dead Space remake just phenomenal remake. But it came out super early, and then we kind of forgot about it. And as as the years uh, as the year went on, and then Super Mario RPG came in clutch. I have not played uh, Star Ocean, but Rick very. Highly talks about it, so I'm assuming it's, it's great. So far, it's a lot of fun. It's a great game. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, Resident Evil 4 Remake, clearly highest budget of these games, and it clearly shows in terms of production. And uh, I have not played the original. I know Rick has, but it seems that they've added a lot. They've they've fixed a lot more so than the rest of these. So I think that's why ultimately the award went to Resident Evil 4 Remake. It was just so much fun, and it took, like, okay, cool, the uneasy horror that you get with, like, Resident Evil 2, but Resident Evil 4 itself 
compared to the original, like Res- like original Resident Evil 4 versus the original Resident Evil 2, was so much more action and just cheesy. So it's, yeah, it it was really well done. Um, but just going to kind of have a little interjection. Do you know what was not nominated or even mentioned uh, for this award? I'm going to hold it up right now. The Metal Gear Solid 1 Master Collection. No, it was not Which, because I have not played it. <laughs> And also, uh, it's definitely it's I, I I got it. I got it for Christmas. I forgot that I put it on a Christmas list before the reviews came out. <laughs> I forgot to take it off the Christmas list. So I received it and I'm grateful. But um, it is not a remake. It is, it is straight just ports. Like cop- yeah, of the <laughs> like, I played, uh, like um, Metal Gear, uh, Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear 2 Snakes Revenge or whatever. Then you get Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 3. So I was like, okay, cool. I haven't played Metal Gear Solid 1 in like over, you know, almost 20 years. Let's give it a try. <laughs> Jordan was on the couch and she was just like, this looks, this looks terrible. I'm like, yep, they just, <laughs> they just ported over a 32-bit game. <laughs> and it's a good thing you got it when you did, because I heard it had a lot of bugs and issues when it first came out. Like the games weren't launching correctly and like, it still had performance issues, so yeah. Konami trying to do a cash grab. Yep, and they got my cash, but and it's nice having these in a collection, yeah, but ah oh, man, it's just Yep. Ah oh, man. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> All right, next up is best art directions and visuals. Yep, so that's me. So best art direction slash visuals is the most beautiful and cohesive art design in a video game. And the nominees are The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Alan Wake 2, Super Mario Wonder, Final Fantasy 16, and Hi-Fi Rush. And the winner for Best Art Direction slash Visuals in a Video Game is Hi-Fi Rush. Fuck yes, well deserved. We talked about it so much when this came out. It's it's almost it's going to be close to a year since this game was stealth dropped. Like I remember mm-hmm. late January around there, it was just stealth drop. We had no idea this was coming, and then it hit Game Pass. We played it. I, I remember since there was nothing else out at the time because I was relatively caught up with the 2022 games, which I am definitely not with the 2023 game. So I'm already behind where I was last year, but just spending an entire weekend playing that I'm like, I got so much nostalgia and like, this is exactly what it felt to be playing a Saturday morning cartoon. And they do these transitions where it goes from gameplay to cutscene where it is like differently animated to be a, uh, a cartoon basically, but Mm. they do the transitions in moments where Chai is being shot out through a window and the glass is everywhere and it just seamlessly transitions. They have the cutscene and it transitions back into gameplay and it just, it's phenomenal. And I, I think it's well-deserved and it shows you how much it isn't about how photorealistic your game looks. It is literally about the stylistic choices and the cohesion you have of the entire visual appeal of the game. And that's just hands down like nine out of 10 times that's going to win 
in terms of that versus photorealism. So anything else to add? No, I, mean, I think it was just kind of like the perfect art style to fit and it kind of encapsulate even like the tone of the game. I think people don't really appreciate how important the visual art and the style that it's yeah. done can can really affect how you view the tone. Like if you tried to do that in like a photorealistic way, for example, it's not going to hit the same if you kept everything else the same. It's just yeah. not going to work. And it's crazy that this is the studio, Tango Gameworks, that is known for their horror games with mm. Evil Within 1 and 2, and then they did uh, Tokyo, Ghostwire Tokyo. So, yeah. like, completely di- different, like, color palette and all of that. And they mm. just absolutely nail this the first time they make this type of game. So, hats off to them. Best musical score. All right, best musical score. Musical score soundtrack that best conveys the tone of the video game. And your nominees are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Star Wars Jedi, Survivor, Super Mario Wonder, and Hi-Fi Rush. And the winner is... Hi-Fi Rush. Yes, back-to-back awards for hi-fi rush and honestly <laughs> it's it's not it only the music it had to be it had to be hi-fi. yeah it's a it's, game of music and rhythm basically this was a very hard category hats off to everybody in this nominee in this nomination or in this category or whatever however you say that but like not only does hi-fi rush have amazing fucking original music but they also seamlessly interweave that into the gameplay with having you attack on the beat but then they also have everything like the art design and everything built off of the music it's exactly yeah the entire game is based on the music it's Mm. not and choose the kingdom great soundtrack but nowhere near this I got to the first boss in Hi-Fi Rush and it was Nine Inch Nails. And I'm like, ah, this is, yeah, I, this is, this is everything I want in a video game right now. Like, I, th- I didn't know I needed this so bad. You guys and remember it, the Beethoven's uh, Fifth Symphony boss fight? Mm-hmm. As I was playing that, I'm like, holy fucking holy shit. <laughs> the way that they're doing this boss fight, hitting it on the beat. And then as you attack on the beat, it's just, it was like phenomenal. I'm like... My my jaw was on the floor as I was playing that because it was just just fucking amazing. Uh, speaking of which, I'm going to interject with a personal award there, and that is going to be for best gaming moment, and that's just a moment in a video game. And I would say that Beethoven fight in uh, Hi-Fi Rush is is nominated there. Also uh, nominated would be the. Uh, the giant uh, robot section where you're platforming and like mm-hmm. uh, going with Mirren and uh, Jedi Survivor because that moment was fucking phenomenal as well. And then lastly, We Sing or uh, Herald of Darkness from Alan Wake 2. Those moments, top tier game. Like, normally we get one of those moments a year, but we got fucking three of them in 2023. And there are others for other games that I may not have played, but holy shit, those moments were great. And that is exactly why I'm like, 
this is the reason why games is the best medium because you don't get these sort of experiences in anything else. So what are you guys' favorite moments from a video game this year? Um, I'll have to say Final Fantasy. I mean, the whole kind of a lot of the combat and some of the bosses, mini bosses are, are very cinematic. Um, so, I mean, some of the moments like that and, and with the um, with the meet with the, like the epic music and then fighting those bosses and stuff like that. I feel like there, there were some pretty cool moments um, when I played that game. So. For you guys. I would say mine was. My favorite one is like there's like a the part in Hi-Fi Rush where there is just like um, you're you're traversing to get to uh the final boss and there he has like his his giant robot mech is like attacking you and you're like platforming moving and having smaller fights in between but it was like the only time where you could like simultaneously use all of your team members including um the robot companion as well whose name is escaping me cinnamon um you could use all of your companions in like the singular fight. And I thought that that was my favorite because every other time it was kind of like specific moments. You should use each one, but this one you have to use like all of them simultaneously, which was cool. Corsica is the best. Um, is I the have best. a couple. Go ahead. Corsica slays. <laughs> all right. There's one part in the end of Starfield. Where you are being chased around? What what's the main area where the lodge is at? The main planet? Uh, uh, New Atlantis. Yeah, New Atlantis, and like this area that used to be you know, is usually you're you know it's like okay cool commerce I'm gonna go to that store by no you're getting safe chased haven. down and hunted yeah safe haven yeah. you're getting hunted down all the way to your spaceship and that was that was a really cool kind of moment. Um, in a game that didn't have too many, it had quite a few good moments, but not too many. Um, I just wanted to give that a shout out. Also, um, exploring the gloom and tears of the kingdom. I feel that also needs a shout out as far as just something I didn't expect. Cause in the, you know, the previews going in, you know, like, okay, cool. You're in the sky. You're back in Hyrule. You're back in the sky, but there's a whole underground world. That's just kind of terrifying when you start exploring it because you don't know what's where um and there are things down there that are also kind of terrifying so um i have to throw that out there exploring the gloom once i really kind of conquered a lot of stuff on the top two levels of hyrule kind of going underneath that was a fun experience speaking of which you just reminded me the first time you finish the sky islands and you're jumping down to hyrule and there isn't a loading screen. It's just you jump and you're jumping into the world. Still yeah. jumping and you're slowly seeing everything materialize. You're like, holy fucking shit, this is running on a switch. And then it like you land and then you're just going. And then yeah, like as Rick mentioned, eventually you get to a hole and you jump down that hole and you were in a whole nother level to this. And it's just Yeah, that was another moment that's like holy fuck. So four moments in a year like that so uh that was best musical score mm-hmm. all right moving on to best gameplay this is most fun and polished gameplay loop in a video game 
We have Baldur's Gate 3, Hi-Fi Rush, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Final Fantasy 16, Diablo 4, and Super Mario Wonder. We have six in this category because there was a tie in terms of the nominees. And honestly, I, I couldn't think of one to cut if we had to only go down to five because it's a pretty strong lineup in terms of gameplay here. And the winner is Baldur's Gate 3 with a little asterisk. So I believe the tie was between Hi-Fi Rush and Baldur's Gate 3. With our audience deciding, it was indeed Baldur's Gate 3. And part of the reason the gameplay works so great is because it starts off simple. Turn-based combat, you can attack, you have a bonus action, you can move around. It's, you know positioning and all of that but the more you play the more depth gets added and you start getting these interactions between these different elements and uh spells and character abilities and all of this stuff where it's like okay i can shoot a throw a bottle of grease and make all this surface greasy so all the people fall when it's their turn and then when it's my companion's turn he can fireball the entire area and now it takes a huge AOE damage and people are continuously getting hit with that damage and then now they're on fire so I can pour water on them and, and put out the fire so my people don't get hurt and we can traverse that area but now the surface is wet so lightning attacks do a shit ton more damage and just kind of building off of that the height advantage the, the, the fact that you can put a bunch of shit into a backpack that is explosive and toss a candle in there and then throw the backpack and create a makeshift bomb and just it's it's crazy how, how first, much you like, can build upon it oh shit moment in uh Baldur's gate 3 was when i was kind of uh jumped upon like a, a boss or a leader and they were coming across a bridge and i accidentally shoot one of the supports to the bridge and they just fall down this crevasse and <laughs> battle over and i'm like oh well that was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and like right now I'm at a part where um, I'm battling a pretty big boss and I probably spent each, I, I, this is going to be my fourth attempt. And each attempt I've tried to beat this boss usually took about an hour and any other game I'd be pissed off. But now I'm just excited to go back at it and try it in a different way and see what else I can do. And it's just, it's so intriguing. Like every time I get done with a battle, it's like, I kind of really like the battles. <laughs> yeah. It, it works right. so well, and they do give you certain boss battles where you do have to experiment because you're like, the tactic I've been using almost the entire game does not work against this boss because he has a certain spell or does a certain thing that just completely throws off my shit. Why don't I try and subbing in one of my other companions? I haven't played him. I, need, I can level him up right now because he's been leveling up with the rest of my party. I've just never been able to, to do that. And now I'm going to put him in. And holy shit, he's got this great ability that I didn't even know he had. And now I'm experimenting. Now I'm having fun. Now I'm going to try new things. I'm going to change my play style. And it keeps putting you in those situations. And I think it just it, it works phenomenally well. I think of um, all the years that we've we've done the tuggies i think this has like been from a gameplay perspective kind of like the hardest year to pick and i think the most like variety that we've had amongst like the nominees where you have we'll, like we'll talk about that when we get to game of the year 
Okay, yeah, because it's just like how different all of those are just in the execution of because it's a video game, right? So in the execution of actually having to play the video game, it's just like really, really cool to see how different all the games were. So. All right, moving on to best narrative and writing in a video game. So this is the most compelling and impactful story and or dialogue in a video game, we have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Hi-Fi Rush, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Final Fantasy 16. And the tuggy goes to Alan Wake 2. Not a single asterisk in sight. This was 100% voted on by our hosts and well-deserved. And not to take anything away from these other narratives because Baldur's Gate 3, phenomenal writing. Overall story, a little predictable and kind of... It's much harder to, to write a compelling, great ending to a story when you are accounting for player choice. Baldur's Gate 3 did a phenomenal job, but honestly, Alan Wake, if you really look at that narrative as it fits into the whole Remedy Connected universe and as a game standalone, it's just impeccable. And not only do you have Alan's narrative, you also have Saga's narrative. The fact that Remedy was able to take a story 13 years ago from a game and build upon it to, to make a cohesive story for the modern era in, in a game, not many developers can do that. We saw what happened with Starfield. That felt a little dated. Alan Wake does not feel dated in terms of its storytelling. And they added a brand new character and made both new fans and classic fans care about both characters at the same time. And that just, that's a very hard thing to do. It just doesn't happen. But Remedy pulled it off. And it just spurs so much conversation in terms of what, what's actually going on, how the narrative is delivered, how you can get the narrative at your own pace. Do you want to do all of Alan's story and then do sagas? Do you want to keep flip-flopping? Uh, Rick, I believe you did all of one and then the other, or did you? No, I, I actually alternated every time. You okay, I alternated as well. My brother did all of Alan's, and then he went back and did sagas. And then he's like, holy shit, the revelations I'm getting even though they're hours apart, it's just insane how much it all ties together. So the fact that they can do that and tell that cohesive story with relying on the, the player to kind of get that at their own pace, that's insane. And when I finished the story, I had, when I finished this game, I had to talk to somebody about it. So I literally in, in the form of like 20 texts, sent all of these to Casey and explained, gave her all the background information and then explained stuff to her. And then I'm like, and then in the, in the first after credits, this happens. And then in the second after credits, this happens. And then, I, and then I send her a picture of a drawing I did. And I'm like, look at this drawing. And this is what they mean by when they, said and it's just, I felt like the, the meme from, uh, it's always sunny with like, there's no Pepe Sylvia. And I'm explaining <laughs> that, but it, it like, it all made sense to me. And she got some understanding out of that too. Obviously not as much as if she had played the game, but the fact that it spurs that much conversation and I'm so excited for not only the DLC, the sequel, the next control game uh, to replay Alan. It's, it's just insane. And 
even Rick, I sent you a picture of like what I had drawn and like, yeah, we were talking about it. I did the same thing to my brother. It's just, it's, it, it spurs so much conversation. And the only other game to really do that was immortality and immortality was phenomenal in terms of his narrative. And I think remedy pulled off just as big of a feat with Alan Wake too. And that was the thing about Alan Wake too, was, um, it was terrifying. So, like, I was so compelled by the story that I just had to get through the next part. And I think that's why I interchanged narrative so many times. Because I do a saga narrative, and it's like, okay, cool. I'm low on ammo. I'm low on health. I'm just going to play as Alan. We don't have to worry about ammo and health as much. And uh, then I play as Alan. I was like, that was fucking terrifying. And then I'd be like, okay, no, I want the comfort of having a shotgun. So I'm going to go back to saga. And then, like, I'd get through, and I would just have to keep striving for the story. And that's why I did it. You know, I'm... I like scary games. Yeah. But some like that was fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And, and the levels to it, because as you're playing as Alan, you're getting his narrative, but each chapter of Alan's story has a narrative that he has written, but was it him or was it scratch? Somebody's written, but that narrative itself is also a cohesive story that is feeding into all of Alan's story, which feeds into Saga's story. And it just, builds upon it in layers and then the more you play it the more you're understanding and you're like oh shit when he's talking about that he actually meant that and that's a reference to uh max Payne and like oh the, the actor who plays alex casey is the same guy who plays max Payne. and then the the meta-ness of the narrative and how wacky and the way it delivers is just it's fun there's no fucking other word it's fucking phenomenal and hats off to the writing team at remedy Alrighty, moving on to indie game of the year. You guys will actually have me for the next three of oh, wow. the categories. Yeah, so I'm I'm cleaning out after this. I'm done taking the night <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, so uh, we are on the indie game of the year. So this is the best all around package in terms of story, gameplay, and fun factor in a video game made by developer not owned by a major company. And the nominees are. Dredge, Sea of Stars, Viewfinder, Cocoon, and Oxenfree 2. A little, little asterisk on here because technically it's not owned by a major company. Night School was bought by Netflix as Oxenfree 2 was nearing the end of development. So... Any game it. developer Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yes. Right. We're counting it. They, they basically bought it at the end, so... And the winner for Indie Game of the Year is Cocoon with an S. Yeah, I believe this was a tie between Dredge and Cocoon. Yes, probably. And honestly, it was really hard, <laughs> mainly between Dredge and Sea of Stars for me. I also played Cocoon. I did not play Viewfinder or Oxenfree. Um but yeah, Sea of Stars was great. It was like modern Chrono Trigger, which we all need. Thank you. Uh, Dredge just kind of came in late and really captured my attention in my heart. Like, honestly, I I need more of that game. Um, yeah, Cocoon was fun, I guess. I think Cocoon did a great job in terms of its narrative without saying a word. We already kind of gushed about its level design. But honestly, that was just a, a great, succinct 
indie experience. I want to play more of Sea of Stars. Uh, Viewfinder, I kind of fell off of. Oxenfree 2, I think, is is a great story and absolutely deserves to be played. And I will put Dredge on my list based on Rick's recommendation. Alrighty, moving along to best performance in a video game. This is the most impactful, compelling, and best executed performance by an actor or actress in a video game. And the nominees are Amelia Tyre excuse me, Amelia Tyler as the narrator in Baldur's Gate 3, Ilka Vili and Matthew Peretta as Alan Wake in Alan Wake 2, Robbie Damon as Chai in Hi-Fi Rush, Cameron Monaghan as Cal Kestis in Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Ben Starr as Clyde in Final Fantasy 16. And the winner for best performance in a video game is Amelia Tyler as the narrator in Baldur's Gate 3. And no asterisk there. So that was 100% voted by her host. So many times that lady made me feel so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not only that. You guys absolutely need to play a playthrough as the Dark Urge in Baldur's Gate 3 because... First of all, I don't know if you guys know this. I saw an article. There's like 18 different ways they've recorded her lines based on what your character and like what choices you've made. So it's the same line said with different inflections or like, you know, stuff like that. And when you are the dark urge, how fucking like intense and raw and like angry she gets at times is insane and i've noticed as i've been playing as just the wizard that we're doing our like multiplayer thing non-dark urge it's it's insane how much that has changed in terms of her performance and that just there's thousands of lines of dialogue that the narrator says in this game and to record that 18 different ways to get a different emotional reaction from a player playing as a dark urge, then the the player playing as a Sterion, then the player playing as like Carlac. It's insane that they did that when most people in a hundred hour RPG are only gonna do one playthrough. So you're only right. gonna see one eighteenth of that performance. But the fact that they did that and the fact that she pulls that off so well, hats off. She got snubbed at the game awards. Yeah, I'm I'm so surprised. Oh, for damn sure. That is my snub of the year. If we're doing a personal thing that that snub of the year is her at the game Awards. And we're not talking about the game awards we're talking about the tuggies the word that matters but it's a travesty it's a travesty either way <laughs> we we write the wrongs that jeff keely we write jeff keely's, writing jeff keely's wrongs is fuck jeff keely. but anyway we're gonna focus on us here because that's mamba is focusing on us <laughs> all right so we will move on to video game publisher of the year or the best video game publisher of the year. And this is the publisher that has the most output in terms of quality games and future announcements. And the nominees are Xbox Game Studio, Nintendo, Electronic Arts, Epic Games, and Capcom. Before you open that envelope, there is there's a, a a major publisher that is normally on this list that is not on for 2023. And that is PlayStation studios because I think they had a really bad year in 2023. 
their their biggest title of the year was Spider-Man 2, which so far has not made any of our nominations because it is such a, a sequel. And that's the perfect word for the game. It is a hundred percent a sequel and nothing more from Spider-Man. And that's all they had this year, honestly, right? I, I can't even I they don't throw out uh, that free God yeah. of War DLC. I guess, yeah. but that was like literally and wasn't there in a Horizon game? Week. Or was that last year? That was last Horizon year. was last year, yeah. Yeah, and God of War Ragnarok were last year. Oh, there's year. a Horizon VR game. Did they did they launch was PlayStation VR two this year? Yeah, that was Zach drafted it, I thought. Holy shit. Mm. Well, there you go. They they flopped hardware wise too. And in terms of their announcements, their showcase was probably the one we were least hyped for afterwards, where they just talked about games as a service, games as a service, games as a service for stuff we don't even care about, stuff we don't know about. One of them was a CG trailer for a game that's supposedly coming out this year. That that seems very un-PlayStation-like for 2023. So we're going to have some change of leadership in PlayStation in 2023, 2024. Uh, Jim Ryan is retiring, and I can't help but think the performance of PlayStation 2023 is part of the reason why that's occurring. So interesting there. Just wanted to point that out. Absolutely. And the winner for best video game publisher is Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> Bow down to the corporate overlord. <laughs> they had, they had, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, Super Mario Wonder, Super Mario RPG, and they had announcements for a new Peach game, another Mario versus Donkey Kong, a Paper Mario remake, uh, what else? Like so much other stuff that I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting. But Nintendo had a great fucking year. Yeah, they, they had also had a lot of games, and all their lot. games were like very solid. Yeah, a lot of digital content, like with the uh, mm-hmm. the library, like. I think yeah. we're getting Golden Sun soon, which is amazing. Fire Emblem, like a lot, like the whole N64 GBA thing, I think might have been either th- this year or late last year. I think um, it was beginning of 2023. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that's been amazing. I've had so much fun with that. So, and Pokemon DLC apparently has been done, doing well. So, great out for a uh, great output from Nintendo. And they're on track to make an even bigger splash in 2024 if the rumors of the Switch 2 are to be believed. Oh, yeah, Metroid Prime. That's Metroid me. Prime Remastered. That's what we're forget. forgetting. Yeah. That's me. I'm done. I'm going to take the rest of the night off. I'll catch you all. Bye, Zach. Enjoy getting undressed. No, that's fine. I'll stay here. On I swear took the tie. <laughs> We're in the after party stages now. It's go time with Steven Hours. <laughs> Best the times are coming up. Best video game developer. Chance. Assuming chance. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Best video game developer. All right. Yeah. The developer that has the most output in terms of quality games and future announcements. Uh, the nominees are Larian Studios, uh, Remedy, uh, Nintendo Entertainment Planning and Development, uh, Tango Gameworks from Software, and um, <laughs> so, so 
And uh, the award for best video game developer goes to Larian Studios. Yeah, honestly, they made a game that is so gigantic and like so co- like perfectly marketed too. Since that first trailer that showed Bare Sex, it has been the talk of like every major publication. And it's it's insane how much they've for a game that came out in uh, early access in 2020 that Chance was excited for, but I didn't even give the time of day to to a game that I've put a hundred and like twenty hours into that we are doing a multiplayer playthrough on a stream. Like that's quite a quite a big jump in terms of y- y- they did that with word of mouth because their game is that phenomenal and that just. You don't see that happening with many other games. You see, you see that happening with check out how fucking bad this game is because <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a licensed uh, Lord of the Rings game where you're playing as Gollum and it's so fucking bad, but you don't see that from like, it's, it's less that you see the good being talked about than the bad. So great. Yeah, job I mean, I feel like this game didn't just like kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, Larian studios is also known for, um, divinity and um like those games did really well too um you know very similar to the boulders gate game um obviously Boulders Gate being more dnd-esque um but uh um i mean pat if you like boulders gate um i mean you should give uh divinity try those um try Never. those ones we're shots but, um, backwards but yeah, I mean, Lord, uh, Larian Studios has been, you know, releasing good games for a little while now, so. Yeah, I'm, I, it put them on the map for me, because I was not super familiar with Larian before playing Baldur's Gate 3, but now it's like the next thing they do. They Insert the shock meme. He was not familiar with their game, literally. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, like DLC, the next expansion that they do for Baldur's Gate, because I'm sure that's on the... In, in, in the pipeline for production because it's just such a phenomenal hit and there's no way you don't do that to the next original game or the next licensed game or whatever they, they do. I'm looking forward to them and I'm a fan of Larian because of Baldur's Gate 3. All right, moving on to best game direction. All right. Ah. <sighs> This is going to be filled with a lot of names that are hard to pronounce. All right. Best game direction. <laughs> Outstanding creative vision and innovation in game design that complements gameplay, audio, visuals, and story in a video game. And your nominees are Sam Lake and Kyle Rowley. Remedy for Alan Wake 2. Oh, boy. Um, Hedemaro... Fujibayashi, nice, Nintendo Entertainment Planning and Development for Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Oh boy. Um, Yashiru Enpo and Kazukori Kazunori Kazunori um, Kadoi uh, Capcom for Resident Evil 4 Remake. John Jonas, Tango Gameworks for Hi-Fi Rush. Sven Vinky Larian Studios for Baldur's Gate 3. All right. Uh, before and you open the winner, it, 
this reminds me of like, wasn't it last year or the year before where Chance got all the categories all of the, the names? names? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of happy that I didn't get any of the categories <laughs> with names because I don't oh. know why all the people with weird ass names have to be the ones making video games. Weird ass names. They're Japanese. Just, Can we just have yeah. like all the people John Smith and <laughs> like uh, Kara Johnson. Johnson or something where they have I to be mean, like, you know. I just have to say, I love Chance. I know. <laughs> All the people with the Yashiro weird Yashiro and Poe. Like, it's like, I don't I mean, that even isn't that bad, but I don't know. Uh, Chance, you are my right. favorite person. <laughs> and the winner is Sam Lake and Kyle Rowley Remedy for Alan Wake 2. Yes. Fuck yes. And honestly, that game as a cohesive package is just perfect. Like the way the, the gameplay, the music, the, the narrative, the performances all build upon each other. They partnered up with artists to record original songs for each of the chapter songs. And you can see the progression in terms of past games that they've done, where you had the, uh, the live action slash gameplay intermixed together in quantum break it didn't work out quite as well for that but they they didn't give up on it they they refined it they improved it and now it's a part of alan wake 2 and it just works phenomenally you had the chapters that are you know the way the story is told in chapters they started with alan wake you have the uh the live action being displayed on top of the the gameplay for like puzzle elements and to give like narration or cutscenes or lore uh that you saw in control which is being you know touted here and all of it just works so well together that as you're playing this game it's just phenomenal that you we sing is literally a music video in a level and they've added gameplay to it and made it like they built upon the uh ashtray maze and made it so much better like Go back and play the Ashtray Maze. It's not as good as we sing. And th this, the direction is just... I think Sam Lake said in an interview that he has tried to make Alan Wake 2 three or four other times. And every single time, it's not worked out until now. And he is so glad that this is the version of Alan Wake 2 that exists. Because they've taken everything that they've learned from their past experiences and put it into this game. And that absolutely comes through in terms of this video game. So great job there. I think you nailed it, Pat. That, that it encapsulated like, wow, it was, that was definitely an experience and it was so much fun and it was terrifying. And I knew as soon as you start up the game, sorry about spoilers, but this is the very first startup of the game where you walk out of a lake as a naked old guy. I knew this, this direction was where I wanted to be. All right. <laughs> uh, next category is Game of the Year if released any other year. Best all-around package in terms of story, gameplay, and fun factor in a video game that would have won Game of the Year in any other calendar year. <laughs> so last year, we didn't, we didn't have much last year. Uh, we did have Immortality, which served, like, which won. Uh, very well deserved. But this year, there's a lot of games stacked up. 2023 was a big year for gaming. The biggest, some might say. Oh. 
I know. I think there's like a COVID interruption and now finally we're getting some. The floodgates are finally open. It's we're in a beautiful time for video games right now. All right. And your nominees are Starfield. Super Mario Wonder. Resident Evil 4 Remake. Diablo 4. And Final Fantasy 16. The winner is. Spider-Man 2. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's Super (laughs) Mario Wonder. Yeah. Great gameplay. I think we talked about this before when we were like talking about it and what have you been playing? But like the fact that they have enemy designs for very specific levels and then never use them again because they know it works great in this situation and you don't need to to do it again. You can replay this level. You can go get the wonder seed and you can kind of build off of it that way. But like that, that shows a lot in terms of how the game is developed and how well the developers are using their assets and kind of building the level to fit the game. So great game, great gameplay. I do want to finish it. And I think it is phenomenal. Yeah. Mario Odyssey was fun. I liked it a lot, but wonder really scratched an itch that I haven't, I, I didn't have for a long time. Like probably not since super Mario world. Um, the gameplay was fantastic. The level design was amazing. Um, it definitely went a lot against a lot of conventions, but only after following what you know. You get halfway through a level, then everything would just turn upside down. Um, it was just Literally. so very well done. Yeah. And yeah, I'm happy it's the best of the not best. The runner up game of the year. Yep. The number six. all right game of the year so this is the best all-around package in terms of story gameplay and fun factor in a video game your nominees are star wars jedi survivor Baldur's gate 3 alan wake 2 hi-fi rush and the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom, a game that has not won in any other category. Is that mm. correct? That's uh, no. Nintendo one. Uh-huh. Nintendo one, but like, can you can you imagine if if at the beginning of 2023 we're like, yeah, Tears of the Kingdom is going to come out, not going to win in any categories. Yeah, shocking. That's insane right? for that year shocking. to have that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how big of a year this was. Part of it, I feel like part of it has to do with just like how fresh in the mind it is and stuff like that. That came out at the very beginning of the year. So much has happened since then that it came out in May, but like Breath of the Wild came out in April or March with the Switch, didn't it? So, yeah, I mean, that's like a long time ago. I mean, Immortality came out in August. Like, I don't know. Basically, I don't know this that's... year I spent May to August playing that game. I spent like a lot yeah. of the year playing. Yeah, that's still four months Zelda. ago still and i mean it's ever since there's been so much good that's come out yeah i think it it, we've talked about this before if breath of the wild did not exist and we got tears of the kingdom as it is i think tears of the kingdom would be game of the year and it would be much high much more highly regarded not that it isn't highly regarded but it would be much more highly regarded than it is now 
Um, Baldur's Gate, talk about a game that came out late in the year. That came out August or September, depending on if you're playing that on PC or if you're playing that on console. And fully came out, I guess. It was an early access Wait, before. It's been out for like two years. Yeah, but like fully came out. <laughs> and it just, like we talked about, swept the, the mind share the memes, the, the fucking conversation, the, the tutorial videos, the, the streams and all of that stuff is, it just took over the conversation. Uh, Jedi survivor. That's probably one that a lot of people forget, but that was a great game. Uh, narrative wise, probably not as strong as the first game in my opinion, but still a great game regardless. Hi-Fi rush literally came out January and it still made this list. Yeah. Again, a stealth release. Uh, and Zach kind of talked about this before, but the, the terms of variety that we have for game of the year this year, you have Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is a semi-Souls-like action adventure with a little bit of Metroidvania thrown in there. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is just a computer turn-based RPG. Uh, Alan Wake 2, survival horror narrative game. Hi-Fi Rush, a rhythm action rhythm game. Action game. A rhythm yeah. action melee. Like, yeah, and Legend of Zelda <laughs> Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is an open world puzzle adventure game. Like that that's you, you almost couldn't ask for more of like parody within the category. The the only thing we'd be missing is a like uh a narrative only point and click adventure or something. Yeah. Or like which, something or like some like super wicked like racing simulator. Yeah. And like a Forza. And, like, and if you incorporate the game of the year, if released in any other year, you also have Mario Wonder, which is a 2D platformer. Uh, Resident Evil Remake, another survival horror. Diablo is a action RPG. Final Fantasy VII is a, not an RPG. I, I guess just a pure action game. And then Starfield is an open world exploration <laughs> game. So insane amount year. of variety. What yeah. a year. <laughs> and... A lot of people don't have the balls to say it, but I'll fucking say it. 2023 is the best year in terms of gaming that we've had in our lifetimes. It's just like, nah. it's just saying no. What name a better year? I mean, I'm sorry, it's the man, best but year since this 2018. Did this year have Guitar Hero? I mean, come. It had Fortnite <laughs> Guitar Hero. It was, it's not very good. Although, if the rumors are true, that they're going to make Fortnite. If, it, if I do love Fortnite, and if the rumors are true that they're going to make a guitar. Like the the old guitar. They're gonna make the old guitar. Yeah, that's not a rumor. That's something they announced. That's oh, that would be amazing. I would go find a guitar, buy it, and I would just be playing Guitar Hero like the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. So, 2023, best year in games, and we have the winner of Game of the Year in this envelope, which I will read off now. And the winner for 2023 Game of the Year. With a hundred percent no ties, is Alan Wake Two an absolute phenomenal game? We've talked about it. We will continue to talk about it. Just the overall package of this game is just phenomenal. I spent eighteen to twenty hours playing this, and I still want to continue. I, they just released the the director's cut, which includes new story content. I will be going back and playing that when the DLC comes out for this game. I've already pre-bought the DLC because I have that much faith in Remedy, and I cannot wait for the next Control game. Zach, you streamed the first two hours of this. 
are you going to continue to play it? Uh, yeah, I will. I have to. I have no choice. Mm-hmm. It loops into control too, so I have to play it despite my Spoilers. fears. That's not a that's, spoiler. That's a spoiler. It's a part of the Rem- Remedy Connected Universe. There, there's a lot more spoilers we can give. Obviously, we won't, but it's absolutely phenomenal. If you play only one game this year, I recommend it is Alan Wake 2 because that is, it's just, Remedy is just at the top of their game making this, and I cannot wait to see how they follow up on this with. And Control 2 I- has become like my most antip- anticipated game based on how well crafted this game is. That does make Remedy a two-time Game of the Year Tuggy Award winner. That is true. They won for Control, and they won for Alan Wake 2. Has, has another developer achieved that feat? Nope. So we had Sony in 2020. The Last of Us 2. 2021 was, uh, I believe, Halo. Last year was Immortality. If we're talking about just developer, I don't think we can get another Naughty Dog game in the next, like, three to five years. So... I don't see them making two time anytime soon, but guess what? Maybe Control a Ubisoft two. one. I mean, if, is it Ubisoft uh, Shanghai? No, it's not Shanghai. I don't know which whichever Ubisoft is the lead developer on there. But the the thing is, Control Two could come out in 2026. Like that's that's how quickly they can make that game, and I guarantee you it'll still be phenomenal. And it could they could be a three-peat game of the year winning studio if it's at the same level of quality as Alan Wake 2. So I'm, I'm super excited. I cannot wait. Obviously, Baldur's Gate, Chance, I'm sure you want to talk about it. I'm sure this is your pick for Game of the Year. It was mine, too. <laughs> if you guys had voted on it. I got you fucked up. <laughs> Why would you vote? Chance, did you make the same mistake he did? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so we, I didn't know I had to vote, like, twice. So you didn't. You had to vote one time for the internal tuggies. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I thought. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't made clear to me. I guess that um, I didn't realize there was a. uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't, or I forgot that there was two separate things to vote for. We both made the same mistake. To be fair, none of the other categories for me got really fucked up except for game of the year. Yeah, I was wondering, like, wow, all these are kind of like, what do you mean, one hundred percent voted for? Like, I went, I didn't vote for all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, apparently my vote wasn't. I didn't vote for my. uh, You voted the audience. My main, my audience, I guess. We I don't know. I, I'm going to say that my vote in the audience one broke several times. I'm just gonna put that. I'm sure it did. Um. But it's also like if you had voted, if you and Chance had voted for Baldur's Gate, it would have been a tie, right? Which means it would have gone to the audience, and I think Baldur's Gate would have won. Oh, but the fact that both of you forgot is just phenomenal, honestly. Bust risk on this. I feel like that'd be kind of important. Like, you not, would you not like remind us? I'm surprised. I'm I surprised. sent an email. Like, an email was sent email. to let you guys know. That like this is let us know about the audience one over and over again, but not the actual like main vote or vote main voting. I told you it's due, and I sent you the email. I never sent you the audience link. I just posted the audience link on Discord. So I I don't know how you guys messed that up, but you did, and I'm glad you did because it worked (laughs) out with a first time ever hundred percent game of the year winner in Alan Wake Two. So there you have it, folks. Your Tuggy 
award-winning game is Alan Wake 2. Uh, of course, we do have some comments for the people that did vote. Good times, good year. Looking forward to what comes in 2024 from Zabe. Very positive outlook there. Uh, 2024 could be the worst year in terms of games. We don't know. Next up here, we have Indie Game of the Year has to be Lethal Company. Wasn't that a solo dev from Blizzard that jumped ship to make Lethal from Double Z? Also, Epic Games is changing the industry, and it's cool to recognize all the collabs and partnerships that they have, plus Lego, Fortnite, and shit. I don't even play it, but I like how they're changing the industry. I, I don't know who this is, but I want to know, because... I don't know. I, I have, I've never even... Lethal Company? Is that... Yeah, Lethal Company's been really big on, like... It, so it came out in, like, October. It grew huge in popularity in November and it's basically like not necessarily people who have like been raving about like the game and its gameplay it's just like a bunch of people who have been streaming it and they're just doing a bunch of like wacky shit it's like a horror thing um but there's a bunch of like goofy shit that happens scavenging at abandoned moons to sell scrap to the company yeah Yeah, they have proximity chat they have proximity chat and then it's just like there's a people bunch of monsters, like, like different types of monsters that do different way, things. It's the way people have been dying in this game that has like grown the popularity. There's like a really famous video already where it's like a guy is talking with his friends and he's like, hey, have you seen our new like equipment or whatever? And he just like, pulls this like big ladder out of his bag and the ladder just like falls over and bonks his friend and instantly kills his friend. This <laughs> is like shit like that. It's like really goofy shit. Or like there's like a monster where if you're always it's like a King Boo type thing where like if you're always making eye contact with it, it won't move. And then the second you look away, it starts moving and shit. But there's like this guy where he's like constantly looking at it so his friend can go do the scavenging. He turns away for like half a second, comes back, still fine, backs into this other room and another monster just comes and kills him. Like the exact same thing. (laughs) Like, and it's just like, it's just like a bunch of stuff like that. And I think it's like, it looks like a very fun, like multiplayer experience, but well, I don't like I'm not about like the from like a gameplay perspective for us. I don't know if it would ever like get up there for like best indie game, but it's very popular like on PC. Well, it is. It was released in early access on October 2020, October 23rd, 23. Yeah. And uh, the, the developer says that they plan to finish the game within six months, which would put it as a 2024 release. So I'd be down to try it if you guys want, but honestly, I don't think it comes anywhere near any of these categories right now. So whoever said this, you you need to explain yourself. It's just, it's just very, it's just, it's a very popular game right now, for sure. If you say so, um, lies of P should be in for gameplay. I want to say I did nominate it but I was the only one that's played it. It is on Game Pass. Go try it out. Did you play it? Mm-hmm. Did you nominate it? I played it? the demo. I did not nominate it for gameplay. It has great gameplay. No lie there. Gameplay, but I just didn't nominate it for gameplay. I, I the, the five that I had nominated, I thought were just like ahead. Not that Liza P was bad. That's it, not yeah. saying that at all. I thought it was great. Um, and then this comment here. Oh my God, stop asking me this question. Again, you do not have to answer any of these questions you can leave them blank and still continue this the actual forum for voting uh and then the last question here or the last comment here uh 
Spider-Man not nominated for anything? Question mark. This is insane. It was the best game. I want no. to the record. That comment is insane. Yeah, <laughs> that comment is insane. It like, is the best game of 2023 if it is the only game yeah. that you played in 2023. But there were countless. I would say if games. it's the only game that you played in 2023, it's also not the best game of 2023. You would have been better off not playing anything. Is like my response to that. Not that Spider-Man was bad, but it wasn't good. It was just Spider-Man. That's the thing. It was. It was good. It was not anywhere near great. It was not better than anything that's come before it. I, I'd say Spider-Man: Web of Shadows, a game that released in like 2009, is a better Venom Spider-Man game. They had this big thing about Craven and like, oh, who is who's Venom? Here's a trailer where we're kind of going to hint at it. And guess what? It's exactly who you think it is from the trailer. Is that spoilers? Yes. Does anyone care? No, because it's not a great story. It's not a great Venom story. Insomniac, you gotta... I almost would have liked you spending more time to release Spider-Man 2. Make it a smaller story. Make it like you did Miles Morales, because Miles Morales was, I think, the best Spider-Man game you guys have made. I don't know why you guys went back to the the Spider-Man 1 formula when... Maz Morales was clearly, clearly the better game, but you guys have done it. So uh, with everything that we've seen about Wolverine, I'm hoping that's a better game than what has come for Spider-Man. Uh, luckily, there isn't a template out there for a Wolverine game. So it's not like you guys are going to be just... It, it's not going to feel super familiar like Spider-Man 2 did. Um, so I'm looking more forward to that, but... If you do make a Spider-Man 3, there needs to be some sort of changes. You need to incorporate, I don't know, co-op, better mechanics, um, different gadgets. I don't don't know what you can do, but I do not want the same game four years from now. Whoever whoever said that, what are you you talking about? Just stop it. Either that or they're trolling. It wasn't even a good troll. Stop it. And uh, the last award we will be giving this year is the subpar subtitles crown and the winner for 2023, which is Rick with 18 points. Uh, Zach had six and Chance completed his goal of winning zero points throughout the year. So a moral victory, but perhaps not a actual victory there. Perhaps. (laughs) <laughs> and that has been our tuggies so uh thanks for listening remember you can catch us on google podcasts apple podcasts or spotify you can reach us with any questions comments talk about how spider-man 2 does not deserve to be anywhere in the game awards and we did right we fixed the the wrongs of jeff Keeley by making it not in any of the, our categories uh at the untitled gaming podcast at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on our social media. On Twitter, we are at T-U-G-P-O-D. On Instagram, we are at T-U-G underscore P-O-D. There's the threads somewhere. On Reddit, we are at r slash tugpod. On Facebook, we are the Untitled Gaming Podcast. Also, don't forget to check us out check out our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash tugpod. We also ask that you subscribe and leave us reviews. Five star reviews for us. One star reviews for every other podcast. And the music's playing. They're trying to cut me off. I will just say, Spider-Man 2 sucks!
So I'm interested to see how these results pan out since I fucked up the voting and voted on the audience as opposed to the normal or host ones. I had like I was like looking yeah, at it. The only had, one. Did I mess that up too? No, you did it right. Me and Chance fucked it up. 